That is Beard, the Gay Dad Podcast with Alex Megan and Young Daniel. Hello and welcome to Daddy Squared, the Gay Dads Podcast. I love it when you start. Thank talking. you. Hello, <laughs> I'm Jan and I'm Alex. Uh, we're a married couple. We have twins. For now, we're having a big fight. At no, the we're not. We are. We're Stop it. Big knockdown, drag out. Welcome to how, the Alex, Octagon. How was your week? Well, my week was fine. I, I want to actually tell you about something that I thought was really interesting. Tell and me a little bit. Uh, kind of a, a moment of discovery. I was driving one of my kids to school uh, one of the mornings this past week, and we were stopped at a traffic light. And wow, this truly bonkers person uh, was running around in the middle of the intersection, screaming and yelling. And then came. What was she yelling? I you know, it was kind of hard to tell, and there was some <clears throat> foul language and, uh, you know, uh, things like that. And then she comes right up to our car. Ours was the first car at the light. And she starts to slam on the hood of the car and scream. And, and my kid is in the back seat, and he's freaking out. And I don't really know how to handle her because I don't want to make it worse by, like, rolling down the window and telling her to go out of the way. So I'm just sort of not making eye contact. I'm a New Yorker, you know. I'm not making eye contact and I'm waiting for her to just kind of move on. And then the light turns green and she sort of gets out of the way and I sort of just kind of pull past her. But the the point is that my kid who is five wants to know what just happened. And, you know, it's funny. It's really ex easy to explain to kids. Well, it's relatively easy to explain to kids that somebody got sick, they broke their arm, they, they have a cold, whatever. Explaining to them what bonkers is, and obviously I'm not going to use the word bonkers, but explaining to somebody what, you know, mental illness is and, and all of this stuff in such a way that helps them understand it, feel um, sympathy for it, but at the same time recognize that they have to protect themselves is not an easy thing to do. You know that uh, I talk with them a lot about homelessness because yeah. we, unfortunately, we see more and more in that during, well, after the uh, pandemic. Yes. And Ben was the other day was telling me, you know, I wish being homeless wasn't a real thing. Uh, I wish everybody had a home. Oh, Ben. I know. That's sweet. And I then mean, he, he said... I'm going to live with you guys forever. <laughs> yes, well, there is a there is a possibility of that. So get ready. No, but look about the mental illness. I think one of the things that's so difficult about it is, and I think it's difficult for adults too, let's be honest. There's a reason why we distinguish between physical illness, like, you know, a sickness or broken leg or whatever, and mental illness is because we also, even adults, we distinguish between those two things and we say, you know, well, yeah, it's mental illness is an illness, but wow, wow, that person's crazy, right? We do that. And mm -hmm. I, um, I, I'm trying, I was trying in my explanation to Adam not to make that distinction and to say this person has a sickness, they're sick, and they need help, and we need to try to help them every way we can. Um, but uh, but I felt myself having that, that bias as well, even as I was describing it to him. That is weird. 
That is squared around the world. Each episode, we look at a different country. Uh, today, we visit the Netherlands. Ah, excellent. We look at uh, parenting options and, and gay rights. And today, our guest is Boris van der Ham. He's a writer. He's a former politician. He's in, he was a member of the House of Representatives uh, in Holland. And he's also an actor. And you know, he's a knight. I didn't know that when Wait, we spoke to in, him. In, in the Netherlands. He's a knight yeah. in the Netherlands. Uh, yeah, he was uh, awarded by the Queen Beatrix. Oh, uh, wait. wait. That's right. Now, but it's not Queen Beatrix anymore, is it? I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> but I have to tell you that I love the name Beatrix. I can't get enough of it. It's so excellent. It sounds a little bit like Dominatrix, I think, is the reason why I Maybe, like it yeah. so much. Yeah. He has two kids uh, in co-parenting. Uh-huh. Uh, we're going to hear more, more from him. But before we do that, you know, I have uh, my, my research, so I did some facts. Okay, some facts this about is always Netherlands. a very fun part because the facts are at a certain level of quality. Go ahead. It's a Wikipedia quality, right. and then some. <laughs> I, I, it's more than that. Ah. I, I, don't, I don't want to say that I only look at Wikipedia. Okay. But okay. So Netherlands was uh, established in May 15, 1648, no. which is like 300 years before Israel, almost exactly. <laughs> um, population is 17.1 million, mm. which makes it one of the uh, densely populated countries in the world. Well, Did that you mu- know that? that? That must mean it's a very, very, very geographically small country. Yeah. yeah. Currency is euro, mm. uh, and national food is stampot. <laughs> okay, well, way to sell it. Um, does anybody it's, you know what stampot is? Yeah, it's uh, sausages with mashed potatoes and vegetables. Well, it's kind of everything. Every nice. country is the same thing, but it's called it's named differently. Mm-hmm. Three things you didn't know came from the Netherlands. Go ahead. What are they? CD and DVD. Uh, they were developed there. Uh, they were invented there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I test the I test. Yes, the uh, the letters. Right, with the letters. See, I did not know smaller. that. That's cool. Um, and orange carrots. So, did you know that? Whether well, there are different colored carrots? No. Uh, originally, the color of the carrots was either purple, white, or yellow. But then, because Holland's uh, national uh, color is orange, they developed genetically orange carrots. You're kidding me? Yes. Um, in the You've 17th completely- century. You completely overturned everything I ever knew. So, or, yeah, or uh, carrots were not orange. Um, and yachts. Yachts? Yachts. You mean the big boats? Yeah. Oh, okay. It was developed for the Netherlands, uh, the army, actually, originally. You mean for the officers of the army to float around on a beautiful boat while the... With yeah. themselves. Got it. That's nice. On a big uh, cruise. That's, that's right. Men only. It's not a gay cruise. Well, it mm. might have been effectively a gay cruise. Every time I make a sex joke, I yes. feel I, like I kind of remembered myself at, the, at my 20s. Yeah. Looking at these old guys and telling saying, sex yeah, jokes yeah. and telling I'm not going to be like that. Yeah. And here I am. Welcome. Yeah. I mean, we, we're all effectively on our way to being drag queens, doing mm-hmm. drag queen humor. The Netherlands won Eurovision five times, including the last Eurovision, which was two years mm. ago, mm-hmm. because uh, last year was cancelled. Yeah. Um, and we're going to talk about that too. And um, Alex, yes, fasten your seatbelt and move your chair to an upright position, because we're taking it. <laughs> we're going to the Netherlands. Boris, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, I'm so honored. Yes, uh, we are honored. Um, and I'm so fascinated because I have to admit that uh, the Netherlands have always been one of my 
favorite countries to visit. I have many dear friends there. And it always seemed to me like the Netherlands has been like forever that like the the most accepting of gay people do, do you think that's you, true bars from your perspective yeah well if you go back in history you can find a lot of proof of the opposite because until 1810 homosexuality um, sodomy it was called of course in that time was forbidden and a lot of uh, prosecution was until that's that that day 1810 uh, against homosexuals, so there were uh, death penalties for them. Um, so it was absolutely a taboo, and if you were jailed for it, then there was the punishment that you could get the death penalty. So when the French took over Napoleon uh, and he founded the Code Penal, uh, that's the yeah, well, the penalty uh, code, right? Translated from French. Then that changed for the first time in, in Dutch history. And from that moment, um, being gay, being lesbian was not by law forbidden. Was it easy in 1810 to be gay in the Netherlands? Absolutely not. You were a, a social um, outcast. And the only people who got away from that were the people uh, very low in society and very high in society. Mm. So there were gay couples, there were lesbian couples, there were was poetry in that uh, in the 19th century and of course in the beginning of the 20th century but it was for a long time a taboo in 1911, 100 years after it became labor, uh, legal a majority of the Dutch parliament was Christian, uh, Catholic and Protestants and they pushed the legislation back into the closet so it was forbidden to um, uh, for for in certain aspects to to uh, act gay but that changed in the 60s there were all kind of organizations that stood up for uh, gay and lesbian people and now we are in legislation one of the mo most progressive countries in the world uh, in 2001 the Netherlands was the first country in the world to recognize gay marriage well that's the wrong saying it was not gay marriage it was just open the marriage leg legislation also for gay people so there's not such a thing as a gay marriage in the netherlands it's right. just marriage and it's open for straight and gay uh, couple uh, couples and there's no difference and so um we come from far like a lot of countries but we were in history um one of the first countries that's true well, I, yeah, I have to Alex's say, faces, well, when knows. you're when you're saying 1810, <laughs> to my mind, you know, homosexuality seemed or felt illegal well into the 1960s in certain parts of the United States, etc. So 1810 sounds like an awful long time ago, but uh, I assume Madonna was already you know, performing at that time. But we and share. And <laughs> share, of course. I think so. but the, the thing was, for example, if you were a gay couple, you were hand in hand on the street, you could be prosecuted because it was indecency in public. Right. And there were pubs in Amsterdam, gay pubs, uh, where people were flirting and, and uh, dancing together. But if the police came in, it's a very famous pub uh, in the red light neighborhood in Amsterdam, and there was an, an owl, an, a bird, the owl, uh, and there were little red lights in the eyes. And if the the owneress, the, the, the female owner of the, of the of the pub, was seeing that there were cops coming inside to check if there were no indecencies, she put on a light, and the 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 eyes of the owl would get 
red, and then everybody backed off from the partner, right. the, the person they were flirting with. So it was until the, the, the 50s, 60s that it was not socially accepted, and you it was not, in, in, in real life, it was not a very legal way to be. But it was different from other countries where being homosexual was a crime in itself. Right. So fast forward to today. Today we're talking about gay dads and... We have uh, talked with other dads in other countries in Europe, and it turns out that even though the countries are very progressive in the sense of accepting gays, there's still some uh, holdbacks in the sense of surrogacy, which is not gay specifically, but you know it's more like of a woman issue. So there's like two there's an inherent conflict between the uh, incredibly progressive support for gays and the gay community, while at the same time uh, surrogacy uh, has a tendency to block gay parenting. And so can you tell us a little bit about what the story is in the yeah, Netherlands? Is it, is it the same in Netherlands? Well, I think I have a, a kind of hate love relationship with the word gay. Um, because gay, the word gay was invented in a way uh, as a kind of um, a way to describe people in despair and making most of life in that des- desperate situation. Hey, the, you're, we're happy because we are dancing on the volcano because we are outcasts. And that's, that's a, a way the word gay ca- came up. And in a way, some... Uh, of society, a lot of people on society, they uh, accept gays, but they also think that being single or having a relationship with another man or a woman, if you're a lesbian, to have a, a normal life, you know, a responsible life, a life that is comparable with, uh, with a straight family. That is not the first association of a lot of straight people. They think, well, they're the the, the happy, uh, flamboyant people on television, or they're they're my best friend who I can always shop and love with. Or so. I'm of course exaggerating now, but I think from that idea that a gay person is a kind of accepted outcast, it's sometimes hard to understand that people who are gay wants want to have a family as well, and of course you're not obliged you you don't have to do that there are a lot of gay people who don't want to have children and and there are also a lot of straight people who don't want to have children but i think there is this assumption that if you are gay you you don't want it when i when i became a dad and i told to, that to certain people uh, and very progressive people even they they said oh i i i thought you didn't want that and if I was peeling off that argument or that question, I was a little bit shocked that I thought because I was gay that I was not interested to have a, have a family. Right. As if it's a choice, if, if it's a life, um, how do you say that? A, li- a, 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 a choice lifestyle. And, and, and to party a lot or something. Right. Something like that. Yeah. We are now going in the next phase of emancipation that you're, of course, you have the right to be different from other people. And the next step is that you... Be, can be different in being different as well. So some people want to have a very uh, single party the whole life, uh, like straight people can do too, and others want to have another um, way of life. So I think that the the diversity of gay people that is that is now coming to the surface. To the surface, there are a lot of there are religious uh, gay people. There are non-religious people. There are Jewish, Muslim people. There are people who want to have kids, no kids, <laughs> kids with mm-hmm. other people. Yeah. So I think that's a very good path we are now on. That 
yeah, gay people or homosexual people, they're as different and diverse as straight people. So if the homosexual people want to have kids in the Netherlands, what are the policies when it comes to surrogacy? What are the policies when it comes to adoption? adoption. Well, adoption was already possible uh, like 20 years ago that the first gay couples adopted mostly from the United States because there were adoption bureaus where they allowed a foreign adoption mm. by gay people, uh, by individuals or couples. So that there are um, people uh, in the Netherlands, uh, gay couples who have children. There are almost 20, uh, even fem fam uh, famous people who did that. So a big singer in the Netherlands who adopted with his boyfriend, with his husband. And that was, I think for me also a very, an eye opener because I thought, oh, is that possible? Boris, we need to know. We need who, to know the name. Who's the name? We need names, Boris. Paul the Leo, Paul the Lion, Paul the Leo. Oh, oh a, cool! And he, he has adopted two two sons, and so that was an eye opener for a lot of gays, I think. But there were already a lot of uh, other var variants. There were, of course, people. Uh, who uh, became, you know, find out that they were gay when they were in a straight relationship and they split up and they had gays. Of course, that has been in the whole history the case. Sure. But there were also couples, comparable with my situation, that uh, two men were, were helped by uh, two women who are lesbian. There were all those variants already was there. Now... There are a lot of more variants. Of course, there are also people who, of course, get sperm from a, from a sperm bank. Anonymous is not possible in the Netherlands anymore because uh, it's it's not seen as good for the children. They cannot find out who their father is. But a lot of um, lesbian, but also straight women who are for single, for example, they get their child from that. And of course, if you're a lesbian, a couple, you can do the same. Um, and there are also, like in my, uh, my circumstances, that there is a, a lesbian couple who asks um, a gay man like me uh, to say, well, do you want to be uh, the father of our children? And do you want to be, have an, uh, a relationship with their, uh, so, with with the children? So, so do you want to be actually a dad? Co-parenting. And that's possible in the Netherlands. Uh, and since a few years, it's also possible when uh, a child is born into a lesbian relationship and they're married, then automatically the child is also the child of the other woman. But that's only possible in a lesbian relationship, of course, because it's coming out of a woman. So that's legally arranged like that that if a couple is married and in that marriage is uh, there's a child born then it's automatically also the child of the other mother right so let's get to that for the final case i think it's the final case which is uh a homosexual male couple wants to have uh children via surrogacy where the sperm will come from one of the men um yeah. the the egg will come from an egg donor and the, a surrogate will be involved is that uh entirely legal end to end in the netherlands or are there well, parts of that that you are can't not? do that but you cannot do that uh, for profit so it's illegal it's forbidden that there's commercial somebody's carrying that that child that's not that's not legal 
Um, but it's, of course, if you do it voluntarily, then it's possible. Then everything is possible. Okay. But it's not, uh, you cannot pay somebody so, uh, right. for, for that. Then well, it's really forbidden. Now, mind yeah. you, uh, some of the other European countries uh, that we've been talking to, it's not even legal. Forget about the the payment aspect of it. Surrogacy is simply not allowed in those countries. So you're saying that in the yeah. Netherlands, while you can't pay for it, it is at least theoretically legal. Yeah. Yeah. I see. You can you can do such things, but uh, yes, of course, co complex. Uh, also, in straight uh, situation, there, there you can have people who carry the child. That's that's yeah. also possible. You can do uh, things with eggs, taking an egg from an, uh, another woman uh, and plant that in, a, in in another woman to carry the child. That's all possible. But if it's the the, the only rule is not commercial. So yeah. pra practically speaking that could make for trouble, meaning it may not be possible to find a wonderful woman who is willing to donate her eggs and a wonderful woman who's willing to uh, provide surrogacy without payment. What are, what are homosexual men in, in the Netherlands doing if they want to have children in a you know, much more biological sense? Are they going overseas? Uh, what is the approach that is most common? Well, you see in the Netherlands, I don't have the numbers, but adoption is, I think, was until a few years ago, the main thing to get a child. But adoption is getting harder and harder. And we have a lot of difficulties with illegal adoptions and, and you know, and, and bureaucracy that's, that after a few years turned out not to be good and everything. You, the same things you, you will have in the, in the United States. So um, I think most of the gay parenting is done by... Uh, the way that I do it. So you do it with a couple or an, or a, a single mother, and you are you have a split responsibility, legally or informal, uh, on the children. In terms of core parenting, so since it's so developed in the Netherlands, are there any like websites or special places that people go to in order to match with a lesbian couple, or how does it? Do you know? Do you Sometimes know? there is a, there's a uh, a website that's called Meer Dan Gewenst. It's more than you wish for or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the, the direct translation is, but it's that people really want to have something. Right. That's yeah. the translation of it, Meer Dan Gewenst. And there are some evenings where mothers, lesbian mothers, can, uh, well, date with gay men. Right. Uh, or with straight men even, I think, to say, well, do you want to help us out? And, of course, it's it's very diverse what people want to each, from each other. Some want really to have the man to be involved in the life. Others say, well, we, I want I want that it's known who the father is, but I want to have a lot of distance, you know. And even for, for a lot of gay men who are uh, very different in what they want. So, But there is a match, for example, in my, uh, in my situation... I just know the mothers of my ch children for a very long time. I know them, one of them, for my study. And when she got married with her uh, current uh, wife, we got friends. We, we are friends. So I, don't, I didn't need that kind of organization because I had my own yeah. lifeline with somebody. Uh, and that was my, that is my, my situation. And I hear from a lot of people that that's also the case, eh? that people say, well, I know somebody. I know I have a lesbian friend or... I have a straight woman who is single and who is at the end of her 30s and she wants to have a child and I'm going to help her out. So there are all kind of 
variants. Yeah. Do you think that people in the Netherlands, straight people, just run-of-the-mill people in the Netherlands, have developed an understanding of this really new kind of family structure? If you just randomly spoke to people, do you think they would say, oh, well, so you're a co-parent? Or do you think that that's something that's understood in the culture of the country yet? I think that's the same in the United States. If you go to San Francisco uh, to a certain area, you will have a lot of understanding. And if you go to <laughs> the, the midst of the United States, you will hear a t totally different story. And that's the same in the Netherlands. I think in you know cities like Amsterdam, among people who are um, you know worldly, uh, they will understand. Others, you have to really explain what's going on and some people are playing against it and all the things that are said around the whole world you will find in the lens too you see that it's more on television that there are you know not one example but a lot of examples um so you see that because it's more common uh, becoming more common maybe people get more used and the more reserved persons in the Netherlands will change their mind uh, we'll see that it's that well it's also nice for example in the in some classes in the in, in amsterdam there are more people uh, than just one that are having gay parents so if that's the case if you're not the exception anymore then people tend to see it as more normal of course strange or exceptional but they can understand it and they see that that it sounds very exotic to be a gay parent, but the children are just the children, you know. So they right. they have little, you know, broken legs and and the soccer games and going to the uh, well to to sport lessons and have their their difficulties. So if I think in, in all these kind of issues around being gay or gay parents is see and accept. If you talk about it a lot, if they see it, they hear from it in an abstract way they a lot of people will have their negative ref, reflexes but if they met and they see how it's going they say well you know it's very uh oh i'm it's it's very normal or right. it's, uh, it's very they, they can see that it's not very far from their bats they'll so, ju they'll judge you just as badly <laughs> as they judge everybody else is basically what you're saying uh <laughs> you say you're yeah. I think we we are uh, again uh, maybe the, this this idea of being gay is be that you are a to totally different person and that that maybe um, that they think uh, you have an irresponsible life. Some people think that, and maybe sometimes they are uh, je even jealous about that. They say, "Well, I, I wish I would be gay because then I could party all day," and you know, <laughs> and that's of course not the case. Right. But that's that's all those kind of prejudices uh, you get back also when you are a parent. So apart from Pao de Leo that you mentioned, is there any other like visibility to that type of parenting that you think is helping in the Netherlands for people to accept it more? Like, you know, does it shows on TV shows, famous people? There are a lot of people. For example, there was a, a kind of show, that's, a, that's the first example that I got from my mind uh, it was this this very uh, superficial show the bachelor you have that in the united states too uh, yeah. that a very uh, handsome man is picking out uh, his future wife uh, those kind of tv reality shows but there was of course uh, last month there was also a gay version prince charming and <laughs> cool. uh, and this 
and this gay guy and the guy he uh, at the end um, choose, uh, there are still a couple. The, the way that they were asked by a lot of people, do you want to have children? That it was a very normal question to ask a gay, a gay couple. Mm. And I, th- I think for me, I'm 47 now, but if I was in my teens and I was developing the recognition that I was gay, I, I would have been helped a lot that the option that you can have children when you're gay, that's very good. So you see that in such a superficial program that they were talking yeah. about, want to have kids or not. But also um, p- uh, uh, certain uh, famous people uh, have uh, uh, have children in that way. Well, I am an actor and I'm a former politician. I was 10 years member of the Dutch parliament. And I, I'm interviewed often about this issue. So... Well, I think I'm myself, maybe also uh, somebody who um, normalized the idea that you can have as a gay uh, person uh, uh, children. So there are uh, some of those um, examples. And because it's not as unique anymore, uh, we get on a level that it's where it should be, you know, that, that it's just one of the options. Right. Yeah. Uh, Bars, what, um, can you tell us about your family situation? Just quickly, who do you have? How old? Yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm 47 years old. I, uh, have a, uh, a, a man, a boyfriend, uh, I'm living in Amsterdam and like, uh, one kilometer from here, um, two, um, uh, f- female friends, a, a couple lesbian, they are living and they have uh, two children and they're both mine. Uh-huh. And one is nine years old. He's, uh, it's my son. Uh, my daughter, uh, she's two years old. Oh, wow. What, how do they refer to you? Daddy. Dad. It, d- yeah. It's a co-parenting. No, no. I'm asking in, 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 uh, in, in Dutch, in, in, Dutch. In, a, in a formal way. So they are the official parents. I am not, uh, oh. because it's, it's not possible uh, in the Netherlands, to have three parents okay. officially, so she, they have both two parents, and that are the the, the women, the 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 mothers. Uh, but I am in just the daily life, and their their father. Uh, they call me daddy. I'm uh, officially for the law. I'm not n- nothing of a parent for them. Because right. They're going to think of changing that in our law, but it, it's not like that far. But uh, uh, and yeah, there tomorrow the whole day I will. Uh, being there, be there, and I will uh, look after them. And they're well, once um, two weeks or th- they're here to 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 just be here or sleep here or whatever. So every um, uh, every now and then, I have a, a man weekend with my son. So then we are going out somewhere in, in the Netherlands to visit the city together and allowed only man. So of course, <laughs> yeah. there's actually something quite lovely about the idea that you have a more expanded set of, of parents for these, for these kids. You know, every, every choice you make is of course, uh, very, um, interesting. What I like about this situation is that, for example, I also tell my children about their, about my parents. My parents already died uh, like 10, 12 years ago, so they don't know them. And But if there's a f- big family reunion or so, th- then then I can take them with me. So there is a lot of openness. Uh-huh. Yeah, that it's good to have a lot of family, you know? And yeah. so when I my, my parents uh, both uh, died, so they def- never met my children, but mm. I invited three of my aunts. My mother is coming from a very big 
family. She was one of 14. Mm. Uh, and um, so three of my, my, my aunts came after uh, the, the children were born. And it was so warm that my family was there as a kind of substitute for my father and mother to see them and to hug them and to, and to say, well, there, there are nephews too. And, and I think sometimes um, people say about this kind of parenting, oh yeah, they, do, they don't have a traditional family. <laughs> and in a way, I also say, well, in a way, our, the children are kind of traditionally raised. Like they have a lot of family parents uh, uh, we try, try to g give them good manners. There's a lot of tradition. I'm a hardcore atheist, but I even will uh, read the, the story of the G of Jesus uh, during Christmas to them. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so it's of course different from a hardcore straight far family. That's true, but it's not very far from that. Especially with all the things that actually matter. You know. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Of course. So a couple of questions before we go to the fun uh, end part of the interview as a recommendation. So if there are now gay people in, in the Netherlands who want to do what you did and co-parent with, uh, with a lesbian couple, what would be your recommendation yeah. to pay attention to before getting into this? Well, it, it depends, of course, on what kind of relationship you want with the children. But I would say really sit down with the couple and with yourself to think this is something you go into for your the rest of your life are you willing to accept that you will be also in a relationship to the women uh, yeah. for the rest of your life and also the women should should be aware of that and i think that uh, you really have to uh, accept that you are in this together and that you accept also that there will be mistakes and yeah. that your your prime goal is to say we will always come out of this this together, mm. uh, and um, and I think that you also have to really have to be, be very aware at the front what what you want to be of the child and speak out what you want because some people are so willing to want to have a child that they sometimes don't make good agreements in forehand uh, and speak out their minds and their hopes and their dreams uh, so that if then the children are there that it's sometimes it, it's 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 not the way you wanted it and it's very hard to talk about that then right and um i'm very lucky that it didn't happen to me but i sometimes see that and it's it's heartbreaking so i think that that's very important to um and also to be flexible to each other so try always to think about what is good for the child and the child is best served by a lot of love by a lot of people by a lot of uh, influences by a lot of warmth by a lot it's not not it, it's not true that only that a chair that for example a child can only bear uh, two uh, sets of grandparents yeah. they can have three or four right. even yeah. um, so as as long as it's safe and it's like you know don't be dogmatic uh, be open to, and and i only now talking about this, the 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 situation of the gay man uh, and the lesbian couple yeah, so couple. be very you know do that did you did you have some sort of a contract like a written contract with them or no 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 because i'm i'm just uh, the uh, the donor uh, on paper but uh, 
because and we have you know talked about this very very much we yeah. you know i i have n- had no problems so whatever we are very i'm very very lucky and i'm very um happy with uh, with our situation but i can imagine that if there are uh, problems and it's then it's uh, very uh, necessary to to write things down and i think there should be also legislation to make that possible that you have to do that yeah. because sometimes you're so what i said eh? you're so willing to have a child that sometimes you forget that you also can come in bad weather and then you can hold to something to remind each other to something not on a, in a legal way but also in an informal way right you yeah. know we are in yeah, and that's I think very important. Yeah, like decide that you are a family even before the child is coming. Yes, that's it, and that it's you know you have a commitment to your to, to your children, but also to the parents of the the co-parents of the children for life. Yeah, right, makes sense. Oh well, all right, Boris. This is when we uh, we switch over to the sillier portion of our interview with you. Are you Alexis ready? Questionnaire. This is my questionnaire. It's going to be quick and it's going to be vicious. Are you ready? Oh my god! Yes. Right. Be afraid. What is the first solid food that your kids received? I think with my daughter, it was an egg, and. My son, it it probably is bread. Okay, yeah, because you know we're looking for we're looking for cultural differences that would that we will find uh, compelling. Question number two: um, Is there a uh, family cold or fever remedy that has been passed down to you from your parents or your grandparents uh, that is unusual? Yeah, not really. But the only thing that I pass down is that if you really have a cold, drink a lot of Coca Cola. But so that's not very Dutch. Well, we in America appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you use it for everything. I think. <laughs> yeah. Question number three: Give us, please, a gay icon from your country that you think the whole world should know about. Hmm. Yeah, that's 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 Wim Sonneveld, and that's an, a confrancher. Is a comedian and a, a singer uh, from the 60s, 50s, 60s. He died at the beginning of the 70s. I'm a big fan. He was very openly gay, very queer, but he was very, you know, he was very popular in the Netherlands. And he is, he has a kind of, he was a great singer. Wim Sonneveld with an S. And um, yeah, yeah that's, it's going to be on a website. There will be links. There will be links on the website. And my final question is how much do you force your children to watch Eurovision? <laughs> well, that's an interesting. The last um, big Eurovision um, uh, competition was won by the Netherlands. It was yes. two years ago. We are aware. And, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, and I was actually with two of my friends, with my boyfriend, and with my son on the couch, and uh, and he he it was one of the first night that he could stay up. He is not, you know, he he doesn't have this this um, you know the link of. Yeah, LGBTQ queer uh, mm. kind of association with the Eurovision sometimes, and he he really liked the 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 film on Netflix called Eurovision. Oh yeah, because it <laughs> was over the top, and he really liked that too. But he is, um, yeah. So th- this was the first time and the last time that I not not forced him, <laughs> but I, I invited him to 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 watch because there was a chance that we that we as Netherlands could win it, and we did actually. So that yeah. was very nice. Is Duncan a hero now? In the Netherlands, or everybody yeah, forgot about him. He's, he's a little bit of a shy artist, so he is he's he's waited waited a long 
time to uh, come with the next album. And of course, COVID is doing his, the, yeah. his bad job too. Yeah. So he could have been very uh, everywhere in theaters to, to uh, have uh, their concert tour, but he cannot, of course. So, yeah, I hope that he will have a, a good career after this. I think he will. He's very talented. He, will. He's a, he has a wonderful voice. Yeah. Boris, thank you so much for being and talking to us today. <laughs> yes, it was you're a, welcome. It was a pleasure. This was delightful. Thank you, Boris. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Daddy Squared, the Gay Dads podcast around the world. It's Netherlands uh, this week. And we're back. Alex and Jan. I'm Jan. I'm the one with the accent. <laughs> I have an the accent too. That. I know, say that all the time. <laughs> Let's look at options for gay men in the Netherlands. So we have surrogacy, which is relatively to previous episode. This one is much more permitted. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's allowed in the Netherlands, but you're not allowed to really pay them. So you can reimburse or whatever, but it's uh it's You have to forgive me, but it sounds a little bit like when um, Los uh, California outlawed pate de foie gras, and so the restaurants started to give it away for free. Oh, there's no charge for the pate de foie gras, but the little rice thing that it comes on top of is like $258. So I have a feeling that there's some interesting shenanigans going on in the Netherlands to support that, but please go on. Um, so yeah, so you, you have to make a private arrangement or uh, go abroad to do that. Uh, a lot of them do it in the US as well. Mm-hmm. However, it's, uh, it's uh, against the law to promote commercial surrogacy and it's not a gay thing. It's, it's, a, it's an overall, it's a straight, basically it's overall thing. Right. And you know, there are more, there are more and more straight couples who, who do in surrogacy for various reasons. Right. I had a conversation this week with a friend of mine, a woman, straight woman, uh, married to a man. Uh, she's in her, I want to say, early 40s, and she has a young child. Um, and she's thinking that she wants to have another. And she sits me down, and she has the most interesting conversation with me. And I felt like a like a, 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 a priest that she was coming to in the confessional. And she says, I don't think that I can do pregnancy again. But I want to have another child, and I'm thinking seriously of doing surrogacy. And she looks at me like she wants me to somehow, I don't know, forgive her for this. And, and I said, so what are your feelings about this? Why, are, why does this look so painful to you? And she says, she says, I feel incredibly guilty about the idea of having another woman do what I could do myself, but I feel like I can't bring myself to go through it again. I was so fascinated with that because what it seems to imply is that there is something wrong with not doing it yourself. You and I, Jan... That's the stigma that we we're We can't do it ourselves, so it's okay. She is absolutely fine. Everyone absolutely fine with the fact that we did it because we can't conceive a child so therefore it's okay in our case but somehow we tried she feels yes we've tried many times um she feels as if there's something wrong with it and i gotta say i don't 
it's complicated. I don't know how I feel about it. I And I, I said to her very directly, it seems to me that if it's okay to do it for two people who cannot conceive, like me and my husband, then it's okay for somebody who uh, simply can't bring herself to do it again but wants to have another child. And and I, I am not saying it's not complicated, um, but I was fascinated by how this overlaps with the stigma yeah. that you're talking about. Um, and also, I don't know how women feel at that age, but I feel that um, people are becoming parents more later, later. in life yes, than for sure. usual. Um, and then I'm not sure, like, uh, at 40s, uh, how much risk do they have to their yeah, bodies? Yeah, I mean, the risk is higher. I don't know. But I, I'm not trying to justify that. Um, right. But but I feel that it's really interesting, like, what, what's happening with the surrogacy. Yeah. I, I, look, wait, one more thing. I, I The last thing I want to do is come off as saying that this is black and white. And, of course, everyone should do surrogacy under all circumstances. Have a blast. No, I mean, I think that there are... There are complicated questions to ask about um, the fact that we are paying women to uh, to to carry uh, our children to term and all of that kind of stuff. I, I don't know the answer, but I am actually really fascinated by it and where it can take us as society develops. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go back to the Netherlands. Uh, so another option you have is adoption. Um, same-sex adoption was legalized uh, in 2001. You have to really register with the Ministry of Justice and receive a permit, but there's uh, seriously not a problem unless there's a so- shortage of kids. In which, which is case, like, what happens? In that case, um, you can also adopt from other countries. Ah. So it was permitted in uh, 2009 uh, to adopt from the U.S., from Portugal, and from South Africa. Okay. Um, so there, there are a lot. Of, there is a lot of information about that online. It's all under daddysqr.com/netherlands. Okay. Okay. So uh, go there if you uh, want to explore that more. Uh, another option is uh, co-parenting and known sperm donor. I, I think that the known sperm donor is is kind of what more related to Boris's situation because he's not on the uh, the legal papers. Right. Um. He's social, sort of like a social, uh, socially known. And if you go back to one of our episodes in the first season. Sorry, when we talked with David, um, he was a, a, a known sperm donor, and we want to give more information about about this kind of parenting right. because it's not completely legal, but it's it's well, apparent. It's not, yeah, it's not a matter of legality. It's a matter of what they decide they want the relationship of this biological father to be exactly. in, in the in the upbringing of the kid. Yeah, yeah. Um, organizations in the Netherlands. So he mentioned it, and this is like the biggest organization for uh, gay uh, for LGBT people who want to pursue parenting. It's called Meer dan Gewenst. Wow. Thank you. Did you? How do you know that you just pronounced that correctly? I heard him say that a couple of times in the recording. And so they also have uh, speed dating for uh, people who want to do co-parenting, just Mm -hmm. in case you don't have a friend like Boris did. And they also have a lot of other information about all the other types of parenting on their website. So it's uh, really important that you go visit there. Daddy, that's QR.com. 
And Mirdan Gewenst is um, also partnering with Men Having Babies. Men Having is, Babies? Yes, which is a very good segue to our next segment of the show, MHB Corner. Yeah, the MHB Corner. Take it away, Corner. Alex. Thank you. We're going to talk to Ron Puldayan, who's the executive director of Men Having Babies. He's uh, also a father. Also himself. a gay dad himself. Um, and uh, he's going to talk to us a little bit about the, um, the process that they assist parents or prospective parents in going through to figure out which path will make the most sense for them. This is MHB Corner. For people, especially if we're thinking of Europe, uh, there are limited choices for, limited options for European gay men to become parents, but still there are some, uh, insofar that there is always, at least uh, theoretically, domestic uh, adoption. That's not very, you know, widely available just because the Europeans do a better job in not uh, directing too many people to the foster care and adoption system. Uh, however, in some countries like the Netherlands and some others, uh, you have even the option of adopting children from the United States. Once again, not very widely available, not very uh, easy, but it's a, a possibility. And in some, there is even under very, very limited circumstances, including Belgium and the Netherlands, the possibility of domestic, uh, domestic surrogacy. Of course, most gay fathers tend to come to the United States uh, for surrogacy. And then there's uh, co-parenting or shared parenting, as it is called in some places. Uh, once again, not very widely practiced, but more so in places like the Netherlands. So Men Having Babies as such is not an organization that advocates for surrogacy, certainly not advocacy in the United States or Canada or any other destination. We are an organization that uh, would like to make it possible for you to make an informed decision about whether surrogacy is the right option for you. Uh, but if you're considering surrogacy, uh, there are a lot of considerations, not just financial, but also practical. It is a very, you know, involved process. It includes a lot of uncertainties, ups, ups and downs. Uh, there are a lot of ethical and political and social implications. In some countries, there's some stigma associated with surrogacy. You have to make sure that surrogacy is an option that you feel comfortable with, because if you don't, your kids are going to find out one day. They're going to feel it. Uh, and of course, it's a very involved personal, interpersonal process. There will be a relationship with the surrogate during the, uh, the uh, process and possibly even with an egg donor and their families potentially, regardless of what your vision is regarding long-term uh, relationship with a surrogate. And this is something that you need to feel comfortable about. You need to understand whether this is something that is good for both you and your partner. All of these aspects are things we go through in our, at our conferences and we give you the tools to feel and and think about whether that's the right option for you. Manhavingbabies.org Thank you, Ron, and thank you, Babies. and make sure you go to manhavingbabies.org to check out all of their information. They do a lot of conferences, so it's like a boot camp for dads, uh, for prospective dads who want to have kids through surrogacy and want to know all the information in like one place, so you go for like two days and get all the info. Before we go, Alex, you know yes. I have this uh, thing that I t talk about, life, making our life easier. Oh, I Now, thought you were going to talk about Eurovision again. Thank God. Okay, please go on. I want to talk a little bit about selling stuff on Facebook. 
Oh, that's right. They've like really gone into yes. that recently. So yeah, Facebook Marketplace. I know that you guys that I've been talking about that a lot about uh, secondhand clothing and all that stuff. Yeah. I have a tendency to kind of not throw things, but to uh, move <laughs> them to another household. Not only because of the money. Granted, there is good money there at the end of the year, even though it's like $2 here and $2 there. But it's also, to me, a lot about a matter of the, the environment. So I don't want to throw things out sure. away. I think that your philosophy, which makes a lot of sense, I'll have to be honest, is that when you, we, you certainly don't want to throw your clothes and things away because that's just terrible for the environment, etc. And if you donate them, that is a good thing, but it does come at a bit of a downside, which is you don't know whether the people who are receiving them are actually going to value them. They may, the organizations do throw things away themselves. And so I think part of your approach is if somebody buys something, even if it's for only like $2, it means that they've determined they want it. They yes. want to use it. And I think that And they make an effort to come and, and get it from that's you. That's right. You know? That's right. So I, I think there's a lot of uh, uh, of significance in that. It makes sense. It's not something I would do because I'm a lazy son of a bitch, but I actually do respect it in you. Um I don't know if I would go as far as you did, which was that we took a trip to Phoenix. We 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 packed up the SUV and we pulled put all of our stuff in it and drove for seven hours to Phoenix. And one of the larger bags that was in our the back of our car was filled with things that um, Jan wanted. <laughs> to sell. I'm not kidding. We drove across state lines to sell t-shirts and No, other we pants. went to a vacation. That was uh, coincidentally I'm, in the I'm not sure. Now, I, I think hear you might have the... actually primarily wanted to take this trip just to be able to sell clothes in another state. So he took it <laughs> well, all the I'm way trying... to Phoenix. Yeah. And then once we were there, he left one day from the hotel, took the bag over his shoulder and drove to I don't know where to try to move his merchandise. How'd you do? Good, I sold some. You did? But I, I hear you at home judging me. <laughs> I don't care. It's all right, I'm judging What I right want to tell you is this. You know that during the pandemic, one of the main thing I realized is how much we don't need. Yeah. So live simple. I don't need all that many clothing. I don't need all that stuff. Yeah. So yeah, I want to get rid of it and make it more simple, make it minimal. Oh, minimal stuff in the house and i do recommend to try that because you know we we are so blessed that we can afford all these things but sometimes we kind of eat more than we can well chew. we do you know we just I mean? we, we we pile things up it we, we i don't think anybody can help it it just happens and i do respect the approach that you're taking to this i, I don't know how i feel about you mentioning you know facebook marketplace per se because you know mark zuckerberg doesn't need more of our money uh but you've used facebook marketplace you've used craigslist you've used ebay, eBay yeah. right yeah um I'm, I'm giving it to mark <laughs> that they did a lot of good stuff in the um in the configuration of of the app that they can you can uh, it make it very easier for you right um i'm saying like this corner is about like making the life easier but it's it's not really making our life easier it makes you more to work a little bit more but at the end i think that you know the the cleanliness that um it resulted in your home can be appreciated oh my god i come home sometimes and there's like a piece of crappy furniture that i've wanted to get rid of for like a year and a half that was sitting in a certain corner and 
and he won't let me get rid of it because he's going to sell it. And I come home, and there's this gap, this empty space in the corner of one of the rooms, and I put on music, and I, I dance in the corner where the piece of furniture used to be, celebrating the empty space. So <laughs> may that happen more and more as time Amen. goes by. And I have to say, it's addictive. It's an addictive hobby to sell stuff on eBay and Craigslist yeah. and all that stuff. Um, but it's so much fun. And at the end of the year, every year, I, I collect all that money. I list it out. Yes. I give the money in cash to Alex yes. and we go on vacation yes. together. One day or not. Or not. But we're hoping <laughs> that that will happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, you guys. That's it for this week. Um, I want to thank Boris again and Ron Puldayan for taking a part on our show this week. And from me and from Alex, see you next see week. See you next week. Daddy, that's QR.com.